Hello and welcome to a Perusia podcast. I'm Shabal Reis, your host, and I'm excited about today's guest uh, joining us from uh, Philadelphia, United States. Um, her name is Anne DeSantis, and uh, you know she's uh, currently a model and actress. She's also uh, a co-host of the Sewing Hope podcast with Patrick Hart Ministries, and she's also uh, running Raymond Foundation, St. Raymond Foundation, which we're going to dive into a bit. We're going to learn about her story, uh, her testimony, but also something exciting coming up, the Eucharistic Summit, which um, I'm privileged to be a part of, and many other great speakers around the world coming up in early December. So we're going to talk about all that today. So she joins me with today. Hello, Anne. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing awesome. It's so wonderful to be here with you again, because you've interviewed me before, and I'm so grateful for your time and talent to be able to discuss with me, as you said, all those different points at the beginning. So thank yeah. you so much for having me on this podcast. My pleasure. It's so good to have you on. And, and I've been watching your work over the last few years. And particularly, I know we, we got to know each other through the pandemic, the lockdowns and and doing uh, those live um, pilgrimages and events online. That really helped uh, myself discover and other Catholics reconnect with others around the world. And I feel like uh, the pandemic, as as difficult as it was, it also had this silver lining. The blessing of it was we're able to connect internationally with people. And, and so here we are now, uh, new friendships are, are born and, and it's so good to, to have, you know, have you with us. It absolutely is. And it's funny that you mentioned the online summit that you did because that was for Advent and here we are not yes. that far away. So that was about two years ago. I'm glad that we've been able to stay in touch right. and have other topics yeah. that we can talk about related to our faith. Yeah, I'm excited to learn about that. It is a it's a great Advent uh, program you've got. Um, but before we dive in, uh, let's uh, just a bit about yourself. Um, I, I've said a few things there. You 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 are. Uh, can I go into a bit of your story, uh, your faith journey today, just to help people get up to speed with who Anne DeSantis is, and then and we'll get into a bit of the work that you're currently doing. Well, I'm a Catholic wife and mother. I have two adult daughters. I was a homeschooling mom for many, many years. And in 2014 or 15, somewhere around that time, I got involved in commercial modeling and acting in my area uh, for mostly TV commercials, ads, print ads. And so that's been something that I've enjoyed doing, mostly as a hobby, because <laughs> my primary profession is being the executive director for a Catholic nonprofit 501c3 which is the St. Raymond Onatus Foundation for Freedom, Family, and Faith. We are a Mercedarian ministry. Now, that's a religious order. For those right. of you who are watching, maybe you've never heard of that religious order, but uh, we've been around for 800 years, founded in Barcelona, Spain. And so the fourth vowel of our charism as Mercedarians, and I'm a third order Mercedarian too, is my life for your freedom. And so what that means is that the Mercedarians have those four vows, which is poverty, chastity, obedience. And then that last one is the willingness to give their lives for those in danger of losing their faith. And so that's the charism of my own life. That's the charism of the Mercedarians. Uh, my own faith journey, just to give you a little bit of a background, is I was raised Catholic. Um, I'm in my late 50s now. Um, it was pretty, you know following my faith for the most part until reaching around those teenage years and in my 20s where I kind of fell away for a bit. Uh, but things changed greatly because after I had gotten married and my husband and I were married for a little while, 
I had my first child and the pregnancy went completely fine. It was wonderful. But after my second pregnancy, about six weeks or so after the pregnancy, I started to feel sick. And what, what the doctors found out was that I had a very rare disease. Uh, it was a congestive heart failure called peripartum cardiomyopathy. And I was just really desperate to find a cure to get better. And so I really came back to my faith asking God, Lord, please heal me from this disease because I want to live. I want to be able to take care of my family. And my mother had said to me, you should contact your church and see if they can come over and visit. So that's what exactly what I did. I called my parish and the parochial vicar picked up the phone and he came right over to my house because I had told him that I had just been diagnosed, literally just been diagnosed with that disease, peripartum cardiomyopathy. And I was, as I said, desperate to find a cure, get better and be able to live, right? Wow. And so yes. he gave me that sacrament of the sick. And I would say it was absolutely life-changing because not only when he gave me the sacrament, did I feel a healing physically, but really so many areas of my life that I went back and realized that I needed healing in so many other places. And so once I got a call, and I guess this was maybe uh, within a few days after having received that sacrament of the sick, my doctor had called me because I had gotten a test done. And um, basically the doctor almost was ready to cry himself because my heart, which I had an enlarged heart, a large ventricle, that it actually went back down into its normal size. Just, and so no. it was a, a miracle, really a true miracle that I was okay, that I lived not only was I okay, but I've been very, very healthy for so many years. Uh, that was 23 years ago, and I'm still doing so well. And you've heard of this before. Maybe some of your listeners have heard this before. But as soon as I was healed, I looked up to the sky and I said, the rest of my life is yours. Whatever you want me to do, I am yours. And I have made a lot of mistakes in the past, but I've been forgiven because it got me back to my faith, back to the sacraments, back to confession. And not only that, my husband and my daughters are very devoted to their faith. And mm -hmm. it's just been a wonderful thing to be able to really live my Catholic faith, love my Catholic faith, and to really understand every single day that I have a mission because God kept me alive, right? There had to be a reason why. <laughs> He wanted me to be a mom and he wanted me to take care of those kids. But I do believe that he had a mission for me to do something like what we're doing right now. Right. Yes, and that's yes. to talk about what is really important because it doesn't matter for your audience and my audience who is watching this. You know, it doesn't matter where you've been because mm -hmm. God can heal you from anything, whether it be maybe it's something physical, maybe it's something emotional, maybe it's something spiritual, maybe somebody in the church hurt you. For some reason, I want to apologize to the people that are watching this podcast and, and thinking, yeah, I had a mean priest or something years ago, and, and it's hard to get over. But, you know, we're representatives of the church, too, and we want to invite you back in and say, God loves you. The church is here for you. We're sorry for anything that we've done as a church 
and um, we want to invite you to love God just as much as we do. So that's a little bit about me. I mean, there's a lot more stories. I could probably talk for hours. <laughs> I'm not shy, you know, when it comes to my faith. But um, but that's probably like my main testimony story is that uh, when I when God healed me from that, I said, the rest of my life is yours, even though I've had my ups and downs since then. Right. We all do. Mm. But um, but I realized that my Catholic faith is the most important thing to me. Praise so, God. That is amazing. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot to unpack in what you just said. <laughs> you, yeah. You oh, said yeah. a lot in there. That's amazing. Um, I mean, the miracle alone. I, I mean, is that a, I mean, that needs to be almost documented, that miracle. That's a miracle. I mean, could, oh. could there be? Well, the is priest. that? Yeah. Yeah. The priest uh, that gave me the sacrament, uh, he was actually a newly ordained priest. Wow. And he was like blown away when I called him and said, guess what? You know, and I said, you need to write this down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that was even before the internet. So, I mean, <laughs> it was like paper and pen days, right? So, a long, right. long time ago. But God is good. Yeah, thank you. Oh, my goodness. Thank you um, so much. Would, what, so did you, um, just in your prayers to God, was it, um, did you invoke a particular saint at that time? Or was it, um, did you make sort of a, a you know, a promise when you, you said you, my life is all yours after the miracle, was there something sort of you said beforehand leading up to that? Um, did you make, did you, how was your prayer life leading up to that to, to, for the miracle? <laughs> well, I would say that when my older daughter was a baby, that I did have a little bit of a conversion where I went back to confession yeah. and started making sure I was at mass every Sunday yeah. and praying yeah. a little bit more. Um, but it wasn't nearly to what the extent was then when I was desperate. So okay. it was really funny. I will say one thing that um, a friend of mine, uh, it was actually someone who's kind of like came in my life, but then kind of left left my life, which is okay. That happens sometimes, you know, yes. sometimes people come into your life for a little while. But she had told me about St. Gianna Beretta Mola, yes. which I'm sure you're familiar with. Yes. and. She, this woman was very, very Catholic. This woman that um, I had met at one of like a, a mother's group and she was very Catholic. And she told me that when she had heard about my condition, which I had told her, she said that she started to intercede to St. Gianna, which was so incredible wow. because listen to this. Now, St. Gianna, I believe her feast day is April 28th. And that right. was the same day that I got the diagnosis. Wow. Not the cure, but the diagnosis. So it was just all kind of came at the same time. So I said, yes, that was it. Now, there's one other. Um, now, we're not sure this person is like definitely a saint, but I will say to me, she was a saint, was the main person that I prayed to was my my grandmother. This okay. is my mother's mother. Um, I called her nanny. That was what I called her. And um, before she had died, and my she was a person of faith. I had remembered she said to me, please don't forget that after I go to heaven, she was very sure she was going to get there because <laughs> she, she, she wanted to be with her husband, right? She said, make sure you pray and ask, pray, pray and ask me, I will tap God on the shoulder and whatever that is, I will make sure that I'm praying for you wherever I am, you know, in heaven. And so I, I, when I told this priest, yeah, yeah, we should always intercede to our relatives, right? Especially the ones who made it there. And uh, 
And I remember asking him if I could pray to my grandmother. She had had such a tough life. Her dad died when she was a young girl. Her husband died when he was only in his late 50s. And her oldest son died in a tragic car accident at the age of 23. And it was and she also lost her first child when the child was only six weeks old in the hospital back. You know, this was a long time ago, of course, you know. Um, but That's I was her first grandchild. Members. Yeah. And wow. I was her first grandchild. And this was only a few years after her son had died in that car accident. And so she had a very special relationship with me. Um, one of those relationships mm-hmm. where she kept very, very close to me. She called me every single day. She always wanted to know what was going on in my life. Even when I was in my late 20s, she would call and ask me how I was doing. How was my day? She knew everything about my life, you know? And so when she died, that was a very hard thing for me. And then being able to ask her to intercede for me during this, like what could have been a tragedy, because some people who get this disease die uh, waiting for a heart transplant. So, I mean, I'm really lucky that I actually, not only am I alive, but I've been alive all these years and doing perfect, you know? Praise God. So, yeah. yeah, so I thank her every year. I have a mass said for her, uh, for my grandmother. And I, I would say to your audience, too, we're coming into November. What's November? It's the time that we remember the the souls, the soul, yes. uh, saints, and also the souls. And always have those masses said for your deceased relatives. Mm-hmm. Very good. And every year she gets that mass on the anniversary of her death. And that's my gift back. I'll never forget that till the rest of my life to give back, right? It's a way of saying thank you to my grandmother that I know she was probably the primary person that was praying for me other than Jesus, Mary, and the saints. Yeah, wow. That's beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah, thank you. And it's a good reminder, yeah, we can ask our relatives, our lost ones to intercede. We should be praying for their Mm. souls, of course. Um, um, But of course, uh, they... Uh, you know, they, they are in a position if they're on their way to heaven, if it's not, you know, inside of heaven, on the way to heaven through purgatory or whatever it is, they can pray for us, even from from purgatory or heaven. It's pretty much they're on That's their right. way. So, so we could we could ask for the intercession for sure. That's powerful. Thank you. Wow. Thank you for sharing. I um, can I ask to, uh, so uh, you you then were pretty much so you you were would you say a growing up going to mass on sunday you were it was easter christmas was it was it sort of more casual in your life your your faith just to sort of put in context uh, and it was it after marriage you, you you went the next step with your faith or after your first child you were saying um what were you um what was it like growing up as a were you were born a catholic and were you practicing at all growing up yes so i was baptized Catholic. I received all of my sacraments. Um, And I give that and tribute that to both my parents that I was made into a Catholic, right? Mm. Um, I would say growing up, it was kind of more of a lukewarm though. Uh, My parents divorced when I was seven years old and annulled. Both of them, you know, they had the annulment and everything like that. I'm one of five. I'm the oldest out of five. Uh, You know, whenever there's a divorce in the family, it's never going to be um, a completely 100% perfect upbringing, you know, and I, I don't think anybody's upbringing is perfect either way. I mean, whether you're not either divorced or not, but it's always going to be a little challenging, right? A little bit more challenging. Yeah. 
So, um, so I would say if I had to describe that upbringing, it was kind of, you know, I did go through those sacraments. Um, I will say when I received my communion, I remember at the age of seven or eight or however old I was, um, that was a, a, a conversion for me at that time. When I was a little kid, I do remember loving the Eucharist and being very excited and getting my confirmation. So it did mean something to me personally. I really did. But, um, but I would say that it was probably more of that lukewarm, you know, and that's nobody's fault. I'm not blaming anyone for that, right? We all have a conversion at different times. Even our parents have uh, conversions at different times of their life, right? And so um, my husband and I were married in the Catholic Church. uh, But I would say that even when we first got married, uh, we did not have that 100% catechesis about the Catholic Church when we first got married. Meaning, I don't know that we completely understood everything the way that we do now. So, So actually, if you think about it this way, I look at that condition that I had actually as a blessing to bring us both closer because now we both 100% on board, loving our faith. Our daughter just got married actually a couple of weeks ago, our oldest daughter. And it was beautiful to see because both my daughter, thank you, and my son-in-law, Elaine and Zach, that's their names, uh, love their faith. They're completely on fire for their faith. Uh, when they had the wedding, there were seven priests on the altar, right? <laughs> right in in our archdiocese, archdiocese of Philadelphia. So it was beautiful. So we've come really full circle, and I've seen even conversions in some of our other family members, like even outside of our own little family unit. Like I've seen other of my family members, you know, either come back to the Catholic Church or be converted back or even just kind of question like they're on a journey. They're starting to come yes. back and have their own personal faith journey. So, so that's where I am. You know, I mean, I'm a work in progress still, you know, I don't think any of us is over that fence. I don't care, care how Catholic we think we are. Um, we're not, we're not going to be completely fully 100% Catholic till we actually get to heaven and we're there. Right. Amen. You know Amen. what I mean? Like, yep. We're on Absolutely. that journey. I mean, we're not done. I don't, you know, we are not done. <laughs> the and, moment you um, think you're done, you know, well, we're, we're missing a lot of things there. I mean, we've got a long way to yeah. go. That's right. All of us. That's right. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. that's just a little bit about me and, um, mm-hmm. you know, and then another part of my conversion story, I will take, if you don't mind me taking another Please. few minutes just to explain one other thing is um, now I did have a difficulty that happened to me in the year of 2009 and 10. It was mostly beginning in 2009. I was in my mid forties at the time. My younger daughter, that same baby that was the one that was in my womb when I was, you know, had that heart condition. Um, And she was around nine or 10 years old. She started going through her own uh, challenges, emotional challenges. You know, sometimes kids that can happen. Mm. And um, what happened was, is that I was her, main support in terms of listening, helping. And I was doing okay for a while, but um, basically what happened was, is that both of us, my daughter and I were both on this journey where we both kind of went through like a suffering together because she was kind of going through the anxiety and the depression. And then I started feeling it and um, she got better. It was within a year that things really started to get improved for her. And I'm so proud of her that she got through that difficult time in her life but I guess it was maybe a year or two later that you know and this happens sometimes to people if you're watching this and you understand 
depression or post um, traumatic stress, that kind of thing, I started really feeling down. Now, I was going to daily mass. I was praying. I was doing all the right things. I was going to adoration. I had friends that I prayed with. But um, little by little, I started noticing that um, my friend group was deteriorating because I never felt right in front of people for a while. I guess it took a couple of years. Mm. And no matter how much I was prayed with over people, no matter how much I tried, now how to much, even going, getting the proper help, you know, sometimes you go get the therapist or whatever for a while, but um, things don't seem to be working. You know, you're not there yet. Right. And so I went through this challenging time, believe it or not, this lasted about four years oh, where, wow. uh, yeah, it lasted about four years um, where on the outside I seemed okay, but inside basically what happened was, is that my support system, my outer support system meaning the people that were my friends at the time, um, they kind of like walked away from me for a bit. And I get that. Sometimes when people are depressed or have anxiety, you almost feel like they're uncomfortable to be around. And I think what happened was I divulged a little bit too much of what was going on with me that every time I would see people, they'd say, how you doing? And then I'm praying for you. But then there was nothing really that came of it after that. There were no more invitations to get together. There was no more phone calls. You know, I was really feeling isolated and um, it led me to two things. Um, number one was I found this beautiful religious order that I'm now affiliated with because I was mm. looking for a spiritual director and two, two of my spiritual directors had died within a year. And that also led me to feel even worse because I love this one priest, older priest and this one sister that were my spiritual directors, but they both got cancer and died within one year. Wow. So that wow. also affected how I felt. So I was on this journey to find a new spiritual director and I looked everywhere. I mean, literally I looked, I mean, probably must've called like dozens of churches, my, my archdiocese, nobody knew of anybody that could help. So finally I went in this Catholic directory, I opened it up and lo and behold, it said the monastery of our lady of mercy, but hmm, give it a try. So I called the phone number and the deacon like brother, he was um, not yet an ordained priest, but a deacon. He picked up the phone and I basically told him my story. And he said, thank you so much for calling. You know, he said, I'm not a priest yet. So I think you need a spiritual director, but I don't think I can be him. But I know of another priest that might be able to help you. And so he, he introduced me to another priest and this priest became my spiritual director. And I can't tell you how much this priest helped me. And I was able to actually form new community through this religious order by becoming a third order Mercedarian. And then when they formed this beautiful nonprofit for families in crisis, which believe me, I understood very well, um, I was asked to be an employee for them. I started out as an administrative assistant and then in 2018, I was the director, and then I was just uh, promoted to executive director this past May. I've been with them for five years now. So wow. what the, the skills that I learned or what I learned about myself and about healing and about how to be healed, they were things that I could use the same skills I could use to help families and individuals affected by crisis, which is basically what we're doing now with this foundation the St. Raymond Anatas Foundation is we help 
families who are affected by divorce, families who are affected by health crisis, affected wow. by job loss, affected by depression, anxiety, whatever it is, whatever crisis is, you know, hmm. we offer free consultations, free pastoral consultations and spiritual direction too. So that what I was seeking for when I had that crisis in my own life, now we're able to offer that to others. So it's come full circle for me. And that's like how I had that deeper con conversion was to be able to offer now and be able to help people through this that. work as executive director of the St. Raymond and Otis Foundation. It's so in tune. It is part of the Christian life, isn't it? We receive uh, we have we've received God's grace, and then we we pass it on. We pass the baton on, and then we have to now give God's grace. You know, share it with others, and and this is the sort of cycle of of the Christian life is um, being first uh, transformed, healed, um, you know, moved by the Lord, but then moving others and helping others, so then they can achieve the same. Then they do the same, and this knock on effect that happens, and that's how we will eventually help society and, and culture, right? It's beautiful. That's right. See. It's really what it means to be Catholic, I think. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, obviously, what it means to be Catholic is lovers and followers of Jesus and his gospel, mm -hmm. right? But as our Holy Father has said, that it's that being a part of that field hospital, right? Yeah, yeah, it's a good analogy. Francis talks about that field hospital, and that's what we're trying to do too, is yeah. to extend that out and say, we. it's not just for priests and religious, is it, and deacons. It's no. for all of us. We need to become a part of that mission. And so we're none of us are perfect people, by the way. I mean, nobody's there yet. So when you <laughs> hear these conversion stories and you think, oh, Anne's doing great. No, she's not. She's not perfect. You know, she's not there yet. I'm doing better because I love God and I have him with me now. I always had him with me. But now I decided that I want to walk with him every day. And that's why my life is better, but it's not perfect. <laughs> I like how yeah you you you're exactly. reinforcing that and it's it's important. Yeah. I, I see you as someone that's at peace with your faith, and, and you've been through a lot in your life. And it sounds it's, it's just beautiful to see uh, the Lord working through you and you journeying with Him, and but just being so joyful about it as well, which is very attractive. You know, and, and this is very uh, this is the way it is meant to be. If, if this is real, um, it's great to speaking to you here and experiencing and just seeing you firsthand. Um, the Lord working through you this way. Thank um, you. And same to you. I mean, your yeah. life is inspiring to me. I've interviewed you on a podcast before. I remember that. I'm so yes. grateful so. to you and your life, your family, and just your ministry is incredible. So I just want to thank you for your good work and for your family's good work too. Praise God. Now, it's a blessing. We, we don't deserve anything, right? So, I mean, God no. gives us all and we, it's all praise to him. It's amazing. That's right. Um, I want to... And I, I know we've only got about 20 minutes here, but I want to make sure I, I do cover a bit. I'm joining a lot of dots here, but you, you we, we sort of, you've raised two children who are now adults, one married, uh, and you decided to, just a very quick word on homeschooling, you decided to homeschool. Why did you do that? Why decide Oh, <laughs> that's a good question. Very good yeah. question. I guess it was when I became a stay-at-home mom, mm -hmm. I decided to become a stay-at-home mom pretty early on. Uh, right before I had gotten pregnant with my first child, work was pretty much other than marriage. It was the most important thing in my life. Yeah, wow. uh, you know, I was you really, in the modeling at that stage. Were you doing acting? No, no, no. Actually, I was a teacher by trade. Okay. But okay. when when I got pregnant, I was actually doing some different things. I was actually uh, working and managing a fitness center at the time. 
Okay. okay. Uh, I, I was involved in the fitness world and yeah. that's what I did. I was working like 40 hours plus per week. I loved it. I loved being around, you know, people and helping people get healthy. And I was helping people with nutrition programs at the time. It was really great. Yeah. Wow. Um, work was really important to me. But uh, once that child was born and I looked at her, I said, this is what I need to do. I need mm -hmm. to spend my time with her. And so I did quit my job. As important as it was to me, I wanted to be with her. I wanted to make sure I raised her the right way. Not to say people who do go back to work, people do what they have to do, right? But yeah. for me, that's the decision that I wanted to make at the time. So I was home with her. And when she was around two and a half years old, um, I remember seeing, you know, some of the bad things that were happening on around in, in high schools and, and mm -hmm. some of those shootings that were happening. And, and you know, I don't always bring this up on a podcast, but to be honest, that really led me to think, you know what, I think I want to homeschool for safety reasons. So that was a big part of why I decided okay. to do it. Now, my faith was also important to me too, but safety was also kind of a something that really made me, inspired me to want to keep my kids home at that time. Like I said, that's a decision I made. Uh, doesn't mean that people who make other decisions about whether, you know, whether they send them to a certain kind of school, public, private, Catholic, whatever it is. But for me, that was the best decision. And yeah, it's it yeah. was wonderful. And I did that for so many years. I mean, my kids went all the way from pre-K all the way to grade 12 with me to homeschooling. Wow. And it was yeah, a God wonderful bless you. Decision. That's a big effort. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. It was wonderful. And they loved it. I loved it. We saved a lot of money, too. And they stayed close to their faith. They met a lot of other homeschoolers and Excellent. did co-op. And both of them did wonderfully in college. They were both on Dean's List and got great jobs afterwards. So it worked. Yeah, you know, it really worked. God. I, I just wanted to, yeah, thank you for sharing that. It's important. I mean, yeah. we homeschool at home as well. And myself, I'm a teacher by trade um, uh, before founding Parisia. But uh, my wife as well is a teacher. And, and, you know, we always, you know, we, we initially had the plan to send the children to school and then we made a decision that we wanted to homeschool and, um, and we haven't looked back. We love it. And, and I guess it, it is generally frowned upon from most people uh, across society, just because it's unknown or, or they're not, they're not sure how you can do it or what, what are the, what are the, um, I guess, requirements, government requirements, and mm -hmm. are you going to have your children of the same standard education-wise? There's all these questions people have. But I, Oh, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I remember that, but the proof was in the pudding. I mean, both yeah. my daughters, yeah. and I'm sure you'll see this with your kids as they grow older, I mean, got scholarships. I mean, they just did fantastic, and they yeah. never had been to school. So, you know, test scoring was great. Everything was, was great, so... Yeah, you know, I mean, pers persevere for people who want to try it out. I mean, I think a lot of people tried it out during the pandemic, didn't they? Yeah, that's so right. We, by, I think by no choice. We had to. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, mm -hmm. very good. Thanks for sharing that. And I just wanted to, yeah, uh, touch on that. I think, uh, yeah, if you're discerning it, try it um, and, and see it. It's a beautiful, it's a beautiful thing. I'm learning more and more every, every day and uh, appreciating it more. Uh, let, so can we jump in? Now, you've touched on the foundation. Um very important work, the foundation you're doing. Uh, for people to, you're based in Philadelphia. Is that where the foundation is based? Um, if yes, people are outside of Philadelphia, can you help? I mean, are there other 
centers or uh, places people can go to, or is there a, a, a number or a website they can visit? Oh, thank you so much. Well, I'll just say our website right off the bat. It's yeah. nonatus.org. I'll spell it too. It's yes, please. N-O-N-N-A-T-U-S.org. Nonatus.org for St. Raymond Nonatus. Uh, we are a national ministry, national, international ministry. We get people from actually different countries, even Australia. I mean, we get them oh, from okay. all over. So it doesn't matter where you're from because we offer online services, but we do offer in-person services too. Uh, we are headquartered in the uh, Philadelphia area. We're okay. also in five, a total of five uh, states, or, or I should say cities because uh, in Ohio, we're in two different cities okay. there. So we're in Philadelphia, Cleveland, Ohio, Columbus, Ohio, Buffalo area, New York, which is like Western New York. And then we're also in St. Petersburg, Tampa Bay, Florida area. All so right. they're the five uh areas that we're in but like i said we're a national international ministry so it doesn't matter where you're from you can contact us because the primary um, offering that we have our foundation now we do podcasts we do shows we have a website but we offer a free pastoral consultation and spiritual direction with a mercedarian friar the, the mercedarian friars as i said they're priests and brothers that i represent with this beautiful religious order um, yeah, in fact, if you want to learn about them, you can go to orderofmercy.org, especially Beautiful. those who are watching that are thinking about a vocation to the priesthood or religious mm -hmm. life, go to orderofmercy.org and just learn about it because you might have never heard of it. They were formed in Barcelona, Spain back in the year uh, 1218 is when they were founded wow. by St. Peter Nolasco. I mean, there's a whole history there. It would take another two or three podcasts. <laughs> to talk My about goodness. all the different saints and everything with yeah. the order. Is there a feast but, day um, of, of St. Raymond? Is there, is there a feast yes, day? There's what a day is that? Day is August 31st. Okay, that's good to so know. I was sure born in August. That's a special month. For... <laughs> is it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. August 31st. Oh, okay. And so it's very special. Um, you can, on our own website, we do have a page that all, like the About Us page, where you can learn about some of the saints and about, the Mercedarian Religious Order. So Beautiful. thank you. All right. We'll put the links in the description below. Um, make sure thank people can get so that. Much. So thank you for sharing that. That sounds exciting. And I want to get to know more about that, uh, the Religious Order and the Foundation. That's that's quite yeah. important, especially today. Um, so thank you for what you do. Um, oh, absolutely. You also work with a friend of ours, Bill Snyder, and you um, mm -hmm. co-host the podcast. Tell us a very uh, yeah quickly about that as well, the, um, the, the Sewing Hope podcast. Well, I love to tell the story about how Bill and I met and how yes. we became working together in ministry because it really was God ordained um, was that during the pandemic, uh, you were asking about my modeling and acting. And one yes. thing that happened right before the pandemic is that I was invited to be a guest on an on on a an online TV show called uh, or, or, or a station, a TV station, Cherry Hill, New Jersey. It's called RVN TV. And okay. I had I actually hosted my own interview show on this station called The Positive Side. And it was not a Catholic interview show. It was a regular, you know, secular show. But I interviewed a lot of Catholic guests. It was wonderful. Mm -hmm. Great experience. But once the pandemic hit, I live in Pennsylvania and it was in New Jersey. And I was driving an hour to get there every week. But it was just too much for me to do. And we, we had all these rules and regulations with a pandemic about driving over state lines and so oh, yeah. that ended, that ended. But um, a friend of mine introduced me to Bill Snyder. 
And Bill was going to be a guest on my show. He was going to be a guest on the positive side. But after I left there, I contacted him and said, I'm really sorry, but I'm not doing this anymore. And so he interviewed me for his podcast. And after we did the podcast, I said to him, how about we do something together? Because I did this for a couple of years and I'd love to get back in. And so yeah. Bill said, let's try it out. Well, lo and behold, the pandemic happened. Yeah. And so we did the Sewing Hope podcast was born. And so if you want to learn about this podcast with Bill Snyder and myself, go to patchworkheartradio.org and you can, we have over 200 podcasts now where we've interviewed I mean, so many Catholic authors and speakers mm -hmm. and Bill and I have also done our own series on different topics. Like we did a 10 part series on parenting. We did a 10 part series on the worldwide synod. We did just finished a four part series on um, evangelizing to college age students. So yeah. all kinds of things, all kinds of things. And then my own online show was also born Journeys in Faith with Ann DeSantis on Fiat Ministry Network which is a weekly interview show that I interview guests online, just like this. I yeah, interviewed Charbel before. That's right. And um, yeah. So, I mean, Bill and I've been working together for a while. We love working together. He's in Wisconsin. I'm here, but you know, we're able to do great work together and it's about sowing hope into broken hearts, which to yeah. me is like one of the most important things to do is sow hope back into people's hearts that have been broken. Beautiful. Beautiful. So, Very yes, powerful. Thank you. And and that's so interesting. There's a if people can just see the pieces here. This I want people to understand what's going on. You have Fiat Ministries, so that's like a network of programs. Because I know there's other programs on that series on that. So that they have a where, what's the website for that? Is it fiatministries.com or do, I have to make go? a shout out to them. Thank you yeah. for bringing that up because these people are such good friends that I love dearly. I Bill. Snyder, which of course, Kent yes. Polhoski, say hello yes. to Kent and Jennifer Sinclair okay. and myself. We are a team. We are such close, good friends that communicate constantly because we are putting out content all the time, every single week. Brilliant. Fiat Alan, Ministry Network. Alan Smith as well. Is he is he involved still? Yes. Alan yeah. Smith had a show. Now, I'm not sure whether that show is still running on Fiat Ministry Network, but it was for quite a while. Yes, He's doing, yes. I think Alan's been pretty busy. Yeah. <laughs> but basically, Kent and Bill and Jennifer, uh, we the, the Journeys in Faith program is like probably the premier program on that network. Okay. Every single Friday night at 8.30, you go to Facebook, to Fiat Ministry Network, and you can watch whatever topic I'm doing, whatever, whoever I'm interviewing. Excellent. Excellent. So, yeah, thanks for asking about that. But Fiat yeah. Ministry Network, best places on uh, on Facebook. But the, the website is fiatministrynetwork.tv. Excellent. Okay. All right. Beautiful. So people have to visit that, subscribe to your podcast. Yes. <laughs> um, so journeys of faith. Uh, journeys in faith. Mm -hmm. In faith. And then there's the sowing hope as well. So excellent. Mm -hmm. um, so much going on. It's amazing. It's good to see. I think we need to keep promoting these positive initiatives because people need to be aware of it. Um, now, just in closing, there is an exciting initiative coming up Advent this year. And it was interesting, Bill Snyder and I, um, co-hosted an advent pilgrimage where we had the last posadas and the and, and the salvation history journey that was a couple of years ago now um, yes so yeah we're, we're excited to team up again but this time yourself you have an initiative 
uh, for Advent, but it's around the Eucharist. Can you talk about this uh, initiative coming up? Oh, of course. I'd love to talk about this. This is probably one of the most exciting things that the foundation is doing, but it's not just the St. Raymond Anonis Foundation. It's Fiat Ministry Network yes. and Patchwork Heart Ministry. Everything we do, we do together. Uh, that we, we we help each other. We're trying to grow that way. Just, you know, when you come together with another ministry, you can reach more people. Yeah, and so we have this idea. It is a three-evening event, December 6th, 7th, and 8th of this, this year, 2022. From 6 to 9 p.m. It's going to be on Vimeo.com. Okay. But to register, you just go to our website, anonatus.org, and there's a registration there to sign up for this beautiful Eucharistic Summit. Now, what is this summit? We are bringing together over 20 Catholic authors and speakers to talk about their love of the Eucharist and to catechize on it and to tell stories and to really help people to understand the source and that summit of our faith, right? He's the body, the blood, the soul, and the divinity of our faith. Amen. This is a time right now in the Catholic church, in many archdioceses, not just in the United States, but all over Australia, everywhere, where we're really bringing together and coming together and saying, what is the most important thing about being Catholic? Okay, is it the Bible? Is it prayer? Is it the saints? All of them are extremely way up there in importance, but the very, very most important thing of this is Jesus himself. Amen. And yeah. where is he? He is in that Eucharist. That's him. He is with us right on earth. The kingdom of heaven is, is here with, with, as long as he's here, kingdom of heaven is here too. <laughs> right? So that's what this Eucharistic Summit is about. I have great news because Charbel Raish is going to be one of those guests. Yes. So you'll excited. be able to listen <laughs> to his presentation about the Eucharist. You're going to listen to a bishop, Bishop William Byrne of the Diocese of Springfield, Massachusetts. He's also a Catholic author. And you can listen to Bill Snyder, one of those guests, myself. Yeah. Also, Gary Zimak, Allison yeah. Jingris from Catholic Mom, and so many yeah. others. William Hemsworth, Donna A. Heckler, Kendra Von Esch. I mean, I'm just naming some of them. Yeah. Christina Simmons. I apologize to the people watching this or maybe those speakers and thinking, you know, there's so many of them that I can't, I don't have that list in front of me. But as you can see, we have an A-list guest list there, don't we? We uh, have two Mercedarian priests that are my own religious excellent. order, Father James Mayer and Father Daniel Bowen. We're so honored to have them as part of this summit. So I'm inviting everybody to go to our website again at nonatus.org. There's a drop down for programs and events. It's right on the front page, though, too. To register. When you register, you will get all of those updates. We'll get the emails, the email blasts that will remind you to watch that summit. So thank you. Thank you all. Thank you, Charbel, for having me to talk about this and, and even my faith journey. It was I'm just so honored to be here with you. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you for joining us. Was, uh, the, the honor is mine. And uh, mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm, I really hope people are inspired from this just to see the joy that's that that oozes out of you and and you know uh how we can look uh, not let um you know whatever happens in life uh uh keep us down there is always hope hope is a virtue and and, and hope is is what we live in hope it's um and it's part of our, our catholic faith faith hope and and love and and so it's beautiful to see it uh just just in you and your ministry and what you're doing all the many ministries as well so god bless you. you praying for everything you do um to keep it up <laughs> 
Oh, and keep it up to you too. You are yeah, doing, as you. I said before, I mean, amazing work. You know, in Catholic ministry, there's no competition. There really no isn't. I mean, the more the merrier, the more of these kinds of things that are going on to inviting people to come back. You know, you don't have to be a perfect family or an, a perfect individual to come back to the Catholic church. And you also, you know, some people are afraid they need to change so much. Oh, I need to change mm -hmm. so much. Well, everybody's a work in progress. You mm -hmm. know, you come as you are, right? And we're invited to conversion. I'm invited to conversion. Charbel's invited to conversion every day, right? That's right. Um, we're invited to to love God better. It's all about loving God. It's not about being this cookie cutter, perfect little family or something. It's about loving God more because that's the way we get to heaven, right? Somebody can look mm -hmm. great on the outside, right, Charbel? And maybe inside, you know, just like our Holy Scripture tells us, they need God. We need God. So yes. God is worried about what's in your heart most of all. So thank you I so much it. again for this opportunity. Yeah, my pleasure. I'm excited. I can't wait. Uh, December 6, 7, and 8, uh, the Eucharistic Summit. What a great way to spend Advent. Beautiful time. Um, so, yeah, congratulations on doing that. Leading up to the Immaculate Conception, which I think is very significant. Mm, um, absolutely. And, That's the plan. <laughs> um, beautiful. Very, very well done. And um, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to it myself. And I hope many others uh, will register for that. And it is completely, is it, it's free to register? 100% free. Wow. Yeah, we're, okay. we're so not free. doing it because, you know, it's a way to evangelize too, is that we want to offer that as a free service to you to Fantastic. be able to come closer to Christ. So, yeah, praise God. Well, and that website, finally, just again, uh, where do they go to register for that? Thank you. Yes. Easily just go to nonatus.org. It's N-O-N-N-A-T-U-S.org. Right on the front page there, you will see the Eucharistic Summit. We're on our programs and events page. Perfect. So Perfect. And again, we'll it. put the thank link below. You. Sounds good. Well, Andy Santos, thank you so much for joining us this week. I'd love to have you back on uh, down the track, uh, and, uh, and I'll see you in December for sure. That's right. And I'd love to have you on our podcast too, so we'll talk about that. Sounds good. Anytime. <laughs> thank you. God bless you. And thank you, everyone, for watching. That's another Perusia podcast. I hope you can join both Andy Santos, myself, and many of the other great speakers in, on December 6th, uh, go register there uh, today. That's another week on the Perusia Podcast. Until next time, have a blessed week. God bless. Thanks for listening to the Perusia Podcast. If you've enjoyed these podcasts, please share with your family and friends. And for more information about everything Perusia, please visit our website at perusiamedia.com.